us in worship this morning. As our children make their way to Children's Church at this time, if you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, we'll be looking in chapter 1, and if you'll find your place in the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Deuteronomy 1, one, one book over, Joshua 1. Let's hear what the word of the Lord has this morning. Not long ago, over the Thanksgiving break, I was visiting with someone who had a great opportunity pass his way. <clears throat> a young man from Florida approached him and said, I'm looking for five investors that will put up $100,000 each. I have this new product that is going to go global and will be the hottest thing in shoes in a long time. Well, <clears throat> if you had $100,000 and you wanted to put it somewhere, it'd have to be pretty hot, number one, to excite you in the shoe department. <clears throat> I didn't say to get $100,000 worth of shoes, to invest in making those kind of shoes. And so the guy said, well, tell me about it. He said, it's this newfangled material that I've come up with. And he said, you'll wear these shoes, and uh, they'll be one of the lightest shoes that is out there. <clears throat> will be very comfortable to the feet, and will be very casual. And talked about how he had 10 or 12 different things that they were going to be good for. And so they discussed it for a while. And the fellow said, well, you may be on to something, but I don't believe I'm invested in any shoe that you're going to call Crocs. Needless to say, he probably missed the mark. Because everywhere you go, you see these things called Crocs. Now they have Crocs in all colors. They have Crocs with fur in the inside, without fur. I guess that's the dressed-up version. In case you want to wear them to town, to church, have a little fur on the inside. <clears throat> Missed opportunities come into our life every year. Opportunities for us to invest in things to make us money businesses for us to start, partnerships to engage in, homes that we may want to buy, new lo relocating, all those things, <clears throat> new jobs, leadership opportunities at the workplace, missed opportunities. Opportunities come into our life all the time. But many times, they're missed opportunities. Now, for every croc story, there's a bunch of other crocs. 
Can I get a witness? You may have even invested in a few crocs. It didn't turn out to be such a crocodile. America was built on vision and on dreams. We looked last week at where we were in our individual lives and the difference between a dreamer and a visionary. And we looked at how dreamers only dream, but visionaries dream and build it. You cannot be a visionary and not be a dreamer, but you can be a dreamer and not be a visionary. A lot of people, we looked last week at how a lot of people die whenever they're 60 years old, but they don't bury them until they're 80. We looked at that in our individual basis and how in life many times we miss the mark because we're scared to get out of the boat. Everybody gets all excited about the fact that Peter walked on the water for a few steps and then he sank. You know what excites me the most about the story of Peter walking on the water? Is that Jesus carried that dude in his arms back to the boat. And if you're not willing to get out of the boat, you'll never find yourself being carried back to the boat in the arms of Jesus. Who cares that he sunk after he walked on the water? Jesus reached down and picked him up. And brought him back to safety. <clears throat> Many of us are scared to dream. We're scared to be visionaries, so we're just comfortable being dreamers. Dreamers are a very unsatisfied group of people. Because they have all these plans and all these strategies, but they never accomplish anything. They have all these great things of technology, all these things, but visionaries are very fulfilled people because not only do they dream it, but they build it. Now, it doesn't matter that the visionary person doesn't know how to build it because a visionary will find someone who knows how to build it, assimilate a team that can make it happen. See, it's never about you. If, you're ha if you have to be the smartest person in the room, if you have to be the person that is on the, on, the, on the very furthest part of the cutting edge, you're not going very far because it's all about you. But if you're willing to say it's about a vision, it's about a dream, it's about something that God has for my life, if you're willing to put yourself out there and take risk, then you can go places in life. If you're unwilling to take risk, then pretty much here's where you're going to be on the merry-go-round. And can I tell you, the scenery on the merry-go-round never changes. It only moves by quicker or slower. It only, it only, the scenery only moves by faster or slower. At whatever rate you're being spun around, but visionary people are people who are willing to say, I'm not content with just spinning in a circle. But I want my life to be a life that reaches 
deep into the hearts of other people. Deep into this world and make a difference. I want my life to be a life of one that reaches wide and reaches and the umbrella of my life to be a life that many people can be impacted by. Is it so that you can brag about yourself and how powerful you are and how strong you are? No, it's so that you can make a difference in the world around us. Today, the Democratic Party of our country is not the same Democratic Party that it once was. That's not a news flash. One of the great Democratic presidents made this statement, who would be excommunicated from his own party today. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Why? Because your life is the seed. Jesus said this, unless a grain of wheat dies and falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. It will bear much fruit. It will bear a great harvest. If we are unwilling to allow our life, which is a seed, and Jesus was speaking of his life in that passage, to be deposited into the earth, into the soil, into the substance of dreams and visions, then it will remain alone. Don't miss those opportunities. What is the word God has spoken to you? We talked about that last week. How in this new year, instead of seeking a revolution, you seek a word, a resolution, you seek a word. Man, I was excited this week. Many of you called me after prayer, after fasting, and all these things, God began to speak to you. God gave you a word. You're charging this new year, not with a resolution dreamed up by man, but a word that's been sent from heaven. And can I tell you there's a big difference? If you've got a word that God has given you for your life, though all hell assail you, you will not be moved. Because you have a word from God. God gave a man a word one time. Seemed like God had forgot about it. Seemed like God had abandoned the promise that he made. And all had forsaken. But I'm going to tell you something today that if God gives you a promise, the promise is not dead. The promise will be fulfilled. Look in Deuteronomy, if you will. Chapter 1. <clears throat> the very title, Deuteronomy, literally means the second time. So if you want a snapshot of everything that's happened up to this point, just read Deuteronomy. Because what Moses was dealing with in the book of Deuteronomy was this. He had a generation of people that died in the wilderness. He had a generation of people who was born in the wilderness, a generation of people that grew up in the wilderness, and now, 40 years later, he had a generation of people who knew nothing at all about the wilderness. They were just born there. And so he gathers them together, 
And here's what he tells them in this passage of Scripture. Look with me, if you would, at verse 6. The Lord our God spoke to us. Now, underline that in your Bible. I ask you to get a word from God for your life this year. When God speaks to you, it is a revolutionary moment. God spoke to us at Horeb. <coughs> Here's what he told us. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. Underline that in your Bible. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. Underline this statement, this one word. Resume your journey. And go to the hill country of the Amorites and their neighbors. To in the Arabia, the hill country and the lowlands of Negva, and the sea coast and the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon as far as the river Euphrates. Wow. Look here. So here's what God is telling them. There's three things in this verse that he is really speaking to them. In verse 8, here's what he begins to say. See, I have set before you, I have set before you, enter, take possession of the land the Lord God swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants. <coughs> Here's what the Lord is saying. I hadn't forgot about the promise that was made. You've been on this mountain too long. I have been pastoring. For almost 18 years. Several times in my ministry I have experienced this. The churches that I was pastoring was on the verge of moving from good to great. And you were, you were making this journey. And as you were making this journey there came a decision. There came a decision in the faith family where they had to decide. Okay we're willing to move forward. Or we just like it here in the wilderness. Now. Understand they had been there in that wilderness for 40 years. They had a lot of funerals because a whole generation died in the wilderness, the generation that was unwilling to go into the, into the promised land. <clears throat> but it had become quite comfortable to them. And so they were there, and so here's what God says. You have been on this mountain long enough. You've been here too long. Resume your journey. God spoke to them. And we as a faith family have a great opportunity. God is on the verge of moving in our hearts and in our lives. And God wants to take our little faith family from good to great. God wants us to go deeper. God wants our roots to go down. God wants us to mature in our faith. But he wants our reach to be wider. I mean, God had great expectation for us as his bride. In Acts 1 and 8, here's what he says. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, end of the verse. Is that what it says? No. Where else did it say? Jerusalem and Judea next door. Is that, and then is that the end? No. And then you need to go to Samaria, that other country with those other people who think different than you, who don't like you. You need to go to Samaria. You need to go to Samaria where there's racial tensions between Jews and Samaritans. You can stop when you deal with that. And when you get through in Samaria, you need to go all around the world. 
And I tell you what, those New Testament Christians, they just did, they believed God in his word. And they got in their ship and they took off. They got on their camels and they took off. Man, I wonder what Paul could have done with a 747. With these airplanes. I mean, that dude was, look in the back of the, look in the book of maps in your Bible and trace Paul's footsteps by foot, by beast, and by ship. And I'm not talking about a speedboat, honey. With sails. And so what Moses does is this. He reminds them of their past in Deuteronomy, the first part. He reminds them of where they are and their future. And he moves forward. I mean, he reminds them where they are in their presence. We're in this wilderness. And then he lays out a future for them. We at Family of Grace have been very blessed. And we have a rich heritage. Matter of fact, we're in the process of getting rid of a bunch of stuff in our home. And we're just going through some stuff. And uh, last night, Christy brought to me a folder. The very first folders from Family of Grace that had the very first scribblings of what we called a budget back then. And my gosh, you look at that and you just see where God's brought us from in the few years that we've been in existence. And I was like, man, we've come so far. And she said, you want to throw this? And I, I said, no, don't throw it yet. I need to look at that. And I was thinking, you know, not right now, but, but somebody in the future will no longer have a vision and all they will want to do is look at the things of the past. Now, now can I just stop right there and meddle a minute? Because we have a lot of ministries and a lot of churches that have no vision anymore, so all they do is build statues to the things they've done in the past. Uh-huh. They build cases and they have pictures of the buildings and the plans and the, the visions and all those things of grandeur of yesterday. And that is their pride and joy. And so as we think about this, what we want, God wants to do, he wants to remind us of where we've been. Many of you have seen this picture. I shared it not long ago as a picture of our past. You know, I'll be honest, when God brought us here to this property, I was just so, I, I was so frustrated. I, I had basically had done kind of like Abraham did, and I, uh, man, saddled up my, my family and, and, and moved here, was living in transition, waiting on God to tell me where he wanted me to plant a church, and then one day, God said, here's where I want you to plant the church. And for those of you who don't know, this is what we look like when we started. It's a picture of our past. This building that we're sitting in, that was it. And this is actually, this is a good looking picture. You should have seen it before we started. Yeah, it was cleaned up at this point. This is a picture of our past. As you can see, basically we kept the roof and the big red steel, tore everything else out and started over. Even raised the concrete up four, four inches. Some of you remember those days. Some of you remember those days and you were thinking, Pastor, what in the world have you got us into? And as we look at this, it's a place where all we had was a dream. It's a place where all we had was a glimpse of what it was that God was wanting to do. And in this place and in this moment, it didn't take ordinary people to accomplish this task. It took people who was willing to leave the comfort of where they were, step out of the boat, and say, I believe there's something in the future that is greater than what I am currently possessing. I am glad for us. I am glad for me that God sent a group of people into my life that was willing to say, let's charge it, let's take the heal. I am glad as Americans 
that we are the beneficiaries of, of great generations that have gone before us, that have laid up and stored up for us treasures as Americans, as individuals, that we are the beneficiary of as the greatest nation in the world. And today, I am glad that as a faith family, God sent people into our life who in the past said, I am willing to go. I am willing to charge. I am willing to invest my time, my treasure, my talents. I am willing to make a difference. We have a proud past. Moses was celebrating their past. You say, boy, that's proud. You say, that's proud. If you'd have been here, you'd be real proud of that past. And so as we think about this, there's, a, there's an interesting story. Not long after we purchased the property, I was working on my house, and I fell off the roof. If you don't know this story, about 16 foot, I was all busted up in the hospital. Went to my doctor afterwards, and he said, I have a question for you, Pastor. He said, how in the world did you know to buy that property that you bought where you're putting your church? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, how in the world do you, how did you know? How did you, out of all the property, how did you decide to, to buy that property? I said, well, you really want to know? He said, yeah. I said, well, one day I was driving over, driving over the bridge, coming across MacArthur Drive, and God spoke to me and said, I want you to buy a property down there. That's where I want you to plant, right there. And so I went and started driving around, found this piece of property, and went to the courthouse, found out who owned it, called the lady up and asked her if she wanted to sell it. Now, there's a big God story in that, but that's a short version. And here we are. He said, wow. He said, it cost me $50,000 to get somebody to tell me that this is where we need to be. He's one of the doctors in the new hospital across the street, over there across Highway 1. He said, we paid somebody $50,000. He said, I believe you got a better deal. I said, you're right. I had a God deal. He said, well, you can, now, this is, remember, this is about five years ago, so there was nothing happening over there. The only thing happening was a sugar and spice strip joint. He said, well, you can bet that the property of your value, your, your property value is fixing to go up because there's a lot fixing to happen down here. And we had a vision in the past, but the vision in the past was only good for the past. The vision has to be renewed every year, every year, every year, every year. You need to have a 20-year vision. You need to have a 40-year vision. You need to have a lifelong vision. But you've got to have a vision every year that gets you to the 20-year mark, that gets you to the 5-year mark, that gets you to the 10-year mark. And where there is no vision, the people perish. Do you actually think that churches are going out of business because there's no more lost people and there's no more need for a spiritual influence in America? No. They're going out of business because they have no vision. And God has brought us and surrounded us with people who are willing to not only dream it, but be visionaries. We have a proud past. We have a strong present. <clears throat> this last year, great things have happened. Last couple of years, we've started another campus in Peru. We have a great ministry in Haiti. Great things are happening all over the place. Last year, we purchased this property next door. We worked feverishly. We worked very hard. God provided this property supernaturally. You remember, some of you were here for those work days, those times where we were clearing, where we were cutting, where we were making land, reclaiming land, reclaiming territory. Last January, whenever we were over there, actually this is, was the property that we were working on. When we were going through all of this, 
that property next door, we weren't even thinking about it. But God kept stirring in our heart, stirring in our heart, that we needed, that he wanted us to have that, and God provided that for us in a miraculous way, and that's a whole story in itself, how that property next, next door became ours, how God brought that to us, how God basically gave that to us. But we, there's a lot of work that takes place, a lot of work and, and a lot of anguish and a lot of sweat and a lot of cuts in your hands and a lot of those things that are working together, a lot of getting on your hands and knees and laying tile and nailing up baseboard and all those things that it takes to work together to make the ministry happen to fulfill the vision that God has called us to. What God has called us, God hasn't called us just to have a good church. God hasn't just called us just to have a good family. He's called us to be part of a great ministry for the kingdom of God. Not that we can build an empire, but that we may expand his kingdom, that we may widen his kingdom, that we may deeper Make deeper the relationships of those people who are in his kingdom. In the present, there's been lots of work, there's been lots of labor. The good news is we've accomplished a lot. The bad news is there's a whole lot more work this year. It's in the future. So God tells Moses, here's what he says. He says a couple of things. He says, man, I want you to move forward. Take your journey. You've been on this mountain long enough. But then he says something else. As you begin that journey, I want you to claim the victory. I want you to go get what's yours. I want you to go and get what's rightfully yours. You know why we have that property next door? Because about six years ago, I didn't know what to do with this piece of property. I was in the back, and I was bush hogging that property. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do with this old dump of a building. Do you want me to tear it down? Do you want me to start over? Do you want me to remodel this building? What do you do? Lord, what do I do in the future? How do we expand? How do we grow? And, 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 and the Lord spoke to me on that tractor in the back, and he said, well, son, you've never asked me for this next door. And so starting that day, we gathered up, I gathered up Abby and Emily, and we, they were little bitty things, four years old, and we drove around that property in my old pickup truck. And once a month, we'd come, we'd drive a circle around that property, and we'd pray for it, we'd believe God for it. When you believe God for something, and God gives you a word, it's not your problem to provide it, it's His. When you're moving in the Spirit, when you're walking in the Spirit, it's not our responsibility to make it happen. God provides the miracles. The good news is He lets us do it. The good news is we've accomplished a lot. The bad news is there's a lot to be accomplished. Which means if you're looking for a getting off spot, there's not one this year. There are no exit ramps. There are no rest areas. Amen. There's a lot to be done. We are in a race against time. You say, really? I know, man. I don't have much time anymore. I believe we're in a race against the prophetical time clock. And what we're going to do for the kingdom, we better get to doing it. And God says, son, here's what I want you to do. He told Moses, boy, you've been on this mountain long enough. Gather up that group of children of Israel and turn and take your journey and claim the victory. Moses, as you know, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, didn't go into the promised land for something that he had done. God wouldn't allow him to go in. Raised up a new leader, his assistant, Joshua. 
Here's what the Bible says in the book of Joshua. They were on the wrong side, and God told Joshua, he said, gather up those children of Israel. He says, time for you to cross that river. He said, you be strong, you be courageous, and you move forward. How are we going to move forward? How are we going to take the journey? How are we going to accomplish those things? We're going to do it by two ways. There's only two words we have for this new year. Anytime somebody asks you, what are we up to at Family of Grace in this new year? It's very simple. It's two words, deep and wide. This year, our goal is to become deep, and our goal is to go wide. You say, well, Pastor, we're already in Peru. Do we need to go any wider? You're right, we do. And here's what that deepness looks like. It means developing disciples. God called us to make disciples. And as a pastoral staff, it is our goal in this new year that we make disciples. You will begin to have opportunities in this new year to develop your relationship with Christ with intentional discipleship. Anybody can make a baby, but it takes parents to raise them. Anybody can lead somebody to Jesus, but it takes spiritual disciples with fortitude in their spiritual backbone to say, I am no longer willing to just bring people into the kingdom, but I want to be part of the maturing in the kingdom. Very early in my ministry for the first 10 years, I was pastoring a church full-time, and I would average about 20 revivals a year. I guess by preaching tank, because I don't preach any anymore, but I'd average about 20 revivals a year, or maybe I just shared something nobody wanted to hear. I'd average about 20 revivals a year, pastor full-time, and then that, was, that wasn't any one-night one meetings or things of that nature. And in that process, everybody would tell me, oh, man, you're not a pastor. God's called you. You're going to be an evangelist. I can see you. You're going to be an evangelist. And I'd always tell them, i say, no, man, nobody likes to preach more than me, but I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. They'd say, no, 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 you have the gift of pastoring. In my heart, even though I may like to go and preach and exalt and exhort and all those things, my heart is in the discipleship process because I'm telling you that's where the joy is. The joy is watching somebody come into the world as a little bitty spiritual baby and begin to grow up in their faith and become a young David who's out keeping the sheep, out tending to the unnecessary, the little bitty minute things in the kingdom, but to grow up and become a giant for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is discipleship. That is pastoring. That is ministry. That is kingdom growth. That's where the joy is. Watching you grow up, become heroes of the faith. Anybody can have a baby. That doesn't make them a daddy. That doesn't make them a father. That doesn't make them a mother. A mother and a father is someone who invests, who does not check out, who sticks with it and moves and provides for their own. We as a church have to go deeper. God told Moses, matter of fact, if you read it, 
for the sake of time, I won't. But in, in verse 9, here's one thing he said. I said Moses said, Lord, I, I say to you, I can't bear this responsibility on my own. So God's moving. He gathers up all these people. And Moses says, God, I can't bear this responsibility on my own. 80% of most churches, 80% of most churches have less than 200 people. You know why that is? It's either for one or two reasons. The pastor is so insecure that he will not allow anybody else to help him because he's unwilling to let go and give leadership to somebody else. Or the second reason is this, and this has been the reason that I have really ran into in my ministry, is that the people are unwilling to allow somebody else to pastor and be part of a pastoral team. I am thankful that we do not have any one, either one of those problems. I am thankful that you as a congregation are willing to allow us to develop a team strategy and that if I can't be there, if Matt can or Ralph can or somebody else can to help meet those needs, that it's not about the one man. If it has to be about the one man, then it will only be what the one man can do. And one man cannot minister to over 150 people. That's why most churches are beneath 200 because they never develop a team. The responsibility is more than one man can bear. And God said, okay, here's what I want you to do. He raised up Moses' father-in-law. I remember about five years ago, we had breakfast one Saturday morning, and we sat in the little church building that we had rented across the street from the Best Western. It's now that little thrift shop. And I remember I sat in there and I laid out this principle. You talk about it was crazy. I think there was about 10 of us in there. Now, as if we counted twice, probably. And I said, guys, here's what we're going to do. I read this principle that Jethro, I mean, gave, Moses' father-in-law gave him. He said, now, boy, what you're doing is not right. You're taking too much on yourself. He said, now what you need to do is appoint you a leader of a, a thousand, a leader of 500, a leader of 100, a leader of 50s, and a leader of 15s, 10s. And I remember, I remember Brother Bob was there, I remember in that meeting, I sat there, I said, guys, here's what we're going to do. I need a leader of a thousand. You remember that, Brother Tony? I need a leader of a thousand. Now you talk about craziness, there's about five of you sitting in that room or ten you look around and say now who's going to be the leader of a thousand a preacher well, what do you smoke before you came in here what you want in the end you have to do in the beginning and we always haven't stuck to that model because we've gone and we've veered and we've got off course a little bit but listen here's what God told Moses he said you need to develop leaders and so in this new year, we are going in the, in the present and in the future where we're going as a faith family is that if we are going to make disciples and we are going to go deeper and we're going to be in Haiti and we're going to be in Peru and we're going to be in the inner city of Alexandria and we're going to be touching hearts and touching lives and changing lives and making disciples, then we have to go deeper as leaders. We have to raise up new leaders in our faith family. 
that new leaders have to step up and accept the assignment that God has placed on their life. And we have to go deeper as leaders, and then we have to go deeper as disciples. And when we go deeper, and our roots become stronger, and our roots go deeper, then we become like the tree is planted by the living water. And only when you go deeper can you go wider. As a tree grows higher, it only grows wider at the rate that it's growing higher. Our two words for this new year is deep and wide. We're going to go deep by raising up new leaders. And new, the leaders that we have right now have to begin to raise up leaders to take their place of what they're doing. Our goal in this new year should be to work yourself out of a job. That if you have a job at Family of Grace that you are discipling someone else to come up and walk along beside you and begin to do what you're doing. That you're always grooming the next leader, the next generation that you're investing. Everybody needs somebody that's pouring into them. That's discipling them. Everybody needs that. They need that, that, that Paul in their life. They need that Barnabas in their life. That, that encourager. That person that walks along beside them. And then they all need that Timothy. That person that they are then turning around and discipling. You need those three people in your life. Who are those three people? Can you name those three people in your life right now? Somebody that disciples you. Somebody that walks with you. And somebody that you are discipling yourself. If not, ask the Lord, who are those three people? Who are those three people? That needs to be in my life. We go deeper as leaders. Deeper as disciples. And we go wider. As a family. When you make disciples. You automatically. Make babies. Disciples produce disciples. Amen. And as we begin to make disciples. We begin to. As we, become, as we become discipled, we begin to make disciples. As we begin to make disciples, the family begins to grow. It doesn't seem like much when we gather here on a Sunday morning. And we struggle somewhere between 120 and 150 people that bounce in and out in our faith family. But do you realize on any given Sunday, under the ministry of Family of Grace, that there's about 800 people whose lives are being touched because of this 120, this 150, this 200 people that make up our faith family. By the time you include what's happening now in Peru, and then what's happening in Haiti, and you bring all that back and you bring it home, all those lives are being touched because of you, church. And this isn't the exit ramp. This isn't the place where we say, soul, let's take ease. It's the part where we put the pedal to the metal and we say, Lord, I am glad that there are no exit ramps on this trip. I'm glad there are no exit ramps on this journey. Now, there's going to be some times on this journey. Listen to me, church. Get this right here. You're going to become so frustrated with me or you're going to become so frustrated with somebody else that you're going to be like, Lord, the next exit ramp, I'm getting off. Don't be super spiritual. You know you felt that way. As leaders, we have felt that way. 
But you have to say, Lord, I am glad that you've removed the ramp. This is my family. This isn't church. This is family. There's a difference in just a church body and a family body. The Bible says that we're a family. That's why he says, let the older women train up the younger women. Let the older men train up the young men. That's called family. That's why we don't divide our services by genealogy, by age ranges, by style, because it wouldn't be a true family. And in our family, as we go deeper, as we go deeper in making disciples, as we go deeper in making leaders, then we will make this, we will enlarge our family in Peru. We will enlarge our family in Alexandria. We will enlarge our family in Haiti. Those things will happen naturally. The other thing that will happen naturally is that as your family grows, you outgrow your home. Amen. All of a sudden, you had everything set. This house is big enough, and then a new baby comes along. You're like, where are we going to put that little rascal? We had added on this uh, uh, a, a closet at our house, and our existing closet was a nice size, and we added on to it because... I like shoes as much as Christie's. Many of you has had to move them, no. And uh, so we, we added on a little bit to our closet, and I, I told Christie, I said, well, this old closet right here, I, I, this is big enough for the baby right here. And boy, it was a great plan until Kim came over and killed it. She said, yeah, I, I just can't wait to say the preacher's daughter came out the closet. <laughs> well, now I need another room. As the family grows, the house has to grow. The good news is that we have a plan. We have a vision to grow our family. We've talked about that last year. We laid before you a vision. Our plan is we've acquired the property next door physically, and then we acquired the, the we wanted to expand our foyer, enclose, expand it out, square that up, enclose that foyer area. Here's what's interesting is that when you expand the foyer, what happens in the foyer and we're not able to do this right now because of the lack of space. But family happens in the foyer. Family happens in the atrium. Family happens in that fellowship area. That's where fellowship happens. I'm glad that when church is over that we don't barnstorm out of here. I mean, look, I've been to churches. You better not, you better not have to stop and tie your shoe because you'd be trampled. Because when that says amen, the preacher's done, they're out of there, dude. And dudettes. Man, any given Sunday, you look around here after church, his auditorium's filled, two or three here, four or five here, just pockets of people everywhere. Our goal in the new year is that family will happen there, worship will happen here, and when you enter into this building, you will come into this building for the sole purpose to hear from God, to get a word from God, hear from God to know where you are in your life. And so our plan is that we want to expand that. And you know that we've had those drawings, and the good news is that those drawings have finally cleared all the hurdles of the Alexandria city government. They cleared the state a long time ago. <clears throat> And we had a desire. We said, well, we bought this property next door. And 
Our goal was to take all of our offices and give that for children's area. Put the offices somewhere else, expand that far year. But after we had to acquire the property next door, we just did not feel good as leaders about leading us into more debt and borrowing that money. And so basically we said, when God provides the money for that, the foyer out there, we'll build it. We had about 20, 22,000 in our building fund. And so it was like, okay, we, that may be 60 to 80,000. I don't know exactly what that building project's going to be at this point. But when, when we get the number, we'll have to raise the money. And we were really toying about the timing on that. And God, do we really need that? Are you really ready for that? And God, if you're really ready for it, then you really have to provide the money. The good news is last year that we expanded our budget and by the end of November that God had met most of that budget and our budget needs were met in faith because trust me, we couldn't do it on our own. And there were some months, I'll be honest, I was just like, Lord, oh my goodness, Lord, no, Lord. And at the end of November, God had it all worked out. See, we work on 24-hour periods, monthly periods, annual periods, but God works in the time of eternity. And so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do on that building? We felt like God was really stirring on our heart to get that building done just because of the rate that our church was growing. And uh, all of a sudden, in the last two weeks of the year, we had received a check for $10,000 that came in from somebody, totally undesignated. I was like, okay, Lord, that's actually that's not the way it happened. We had a check that came in for $40,000. And I was like, wow, that'll go a long ways on that foyer out there. But then we had another check that came in for $10,000 that came in designated for missions. I said, okay. And then we had another check that came in for $10,000. Just use it however you need for the ministry. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, Lord, I guess you want us to build that foyer. And so when God gets ready to do something, church, it's, we just have to trust him. In the new year, it's going to require more faith than we had last year. It's not going to be easier. It's going to be harder. It's going to require more faith. More faith for this year than it did for last year. And so our goal is that we want to expand that foyer. And we have those drawings and we have those plans to make that, that children's area and, and, and it didn't really show up there real good, but to expand that. And we wanted to do that children's area in there. And, man, I, we've been going through this, this leadership and kind of a mentoring process with someone from Ed Young's church. And he came and he looked at our property and he said, guys, that's a good plan. You can do that. He said, but as long as you have that in this building, it's going to always be children's area slash storeroom slash conference room slash eating room slash whatever room matter of fact he was absolutely right this morning I went in there and there was a whole stack of junk in the children's area so I grabbed it up ran in my office and deposited it in my office and so our goal has become the vision we believe the Lord has given us is in this new year the new property that he's given us, the way that we're going to go wider. We're going wider as a family. We're going to grow as a family. We're going to grow numerically, but then we're going to grow physically. We're going to expand that foyer, and then next door we're going to set up a whole children's world. Now, we don't have all the details worked out. In a few weeks we'll have another family meeting, and we'll have all the nuts and bolts and all that that you need to know how we're going to do it. But the, here's the thing I want you to know today is that we're going to set this whole new facility next door. It will become a whole new children's world 
world right next door to this building. It'll be a huge, uh, a huge double-wide trailer, and our kids, you'll be able to take your children over there. We'll create a new kid's world. We'll create a new nursery that's a lot larger than the one that we have because if you're going to have babies, this is kind of the, the temporary floor plan of what that'll look like. And, and then we have a picture of what it's going to look like on the outside. It's going to be a nice-looking building that's going to be next door. This thing we want to be, this side of the church, we want to become the postcard for our church. It's the side that you can see from the interstate. It's everything. We want that thing to scream that we're moving, that we're shaking, that God's up to something. It's bigger than we are. And so our goal for this new year is that we set that next, next door and begin to really and truly intentionally expand our children's ministry. We have made shift, we have gone through the makeshift mentality with our children long enough. If we invest in those kids, we invest in the next generation. And so God wants to use us to do that. God has a great plan. Another area that we're going to expand in physically, hopefully this new year, if the Lord provides for us, is in Peru. They have a little bitty building. If you've seen it, it's probably about the size from this column to that wall, about this size. And they put about 100 people in that little building every week in Peru. And if you look at this property right here very carefully, this is taken off of the mountain. This piece of property that comes right here, this white fence, comes down. It's a very unusual piece of property. You can see it. it's a, laid out very strangely where those cars are parked. Matt was there in the spring of last year, I believe it was, and Pastor Marco told him, he said, God told me that that property is going to be our property. And we're like, okay, we're crazy enough to believe it with you, but, man, that will be decades down the road. And so, uh, man, we begin to pray for that. But they have this little bitty room that we're working on that we're leasing that they use. They, we pay rent for it each month, but they've outgrown that. The church is too large. God is expanding that ministry through discipleship in Peru. We have a team going in a couple of weeks. Next week, Carlos and Katie, some of our new staff people, will be here in our church next week. Carlos and Katie are movers and shakers. They're the next generation, and they're making things happen in Peru. In this new year, we're believing God for that little piece of property. It's in the middle of the city. It's in the middle of everything, right across the street. This little street right here where those people are standing in the bottom right corner is the marketplace where everybody has to come to if they live in that area. When I was there in August, Pastor Marco and, my, and Carlos, we stood on that property and we prayed for it. We stood right outside the wall there. and We prayed and we said, Lord, we believe if you want us to have this property, then you have to provide for it. In this new year, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it may not be this property. It may be another one, but God is going to expand the ministry there. Why? Because we've been good stewards of what God has given us there, and we believe that we're going deep in Peru. We're going to train up leaders in Peru. We're going to train up disciples in Peru, and as a result of being in intentional in discipleship and training disciples, God is going to let us go wide. He's going to expand that family from 100 to 200 probably. And then he'll expand that family physically to a larger building. I don't know how all that happens. I know this is God-sized stuff that I'm telling you, and that's why I'm so happy. Because none of this stuff can be pulled off in our natural strength. None of this stuff can be pulled off in our natural budget. Yes, I need you to give. I need you to pray in this new year about being faithful to your tithe and what it is that God wants you to give to our faith family. 
but I need you to pray for the supernatural. I need you to pray for those businessmen that live out of town that send an anonymous check $10,000 at a time because though that person has never walked in this building for one service, God continues to use him to sow into our ministry to meet the need supernaturally. That's what God's wanting to do. In this new year, how do you summarize where we're going? We're going deep and we're going wide. I remember, when, I remember one of the very first songs I learned. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing. Deep and wide, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. You learned it too, didn't you? Somebody says, what's your church up to this year? Deep and wide. We're going deep. God's going to take us wide. You got to have the order right. If you try to go wide before you've been deep, the tree will fall. If you try to build a building without a proper foundation, the building will collapse. But while we're going deep, God will naturally, the natural progression of life will be that he will take us wide. What do I need you to do? I need you to get on board. I need you not to look for a place to get off. I need you to recommit. I need you to reinvest. I need you to believe God for the supernatural. I need you to be a laborer and not an attender. I know a lot of the reasons that a lot of you don't like to work in services because... What you're missing, I'm missing hearing from God and all that. Starting in February, we're going to have a service in the morning, earlier in the morning, and it's going to be just for the leadership. If you're working, listen, to do church right here and not halfway and not flying by the seat of your britches, we need about 25 to 30 people a week here showing up ready to work. You say, man, that's almost all of us. Well, we need to get with it. We need to show up. We need to come. You're going to have a service. I'm going to preach as hard as I preach right now. They're going to sing as hard as they sing right now. We're going to have real church. We're going to have a real opportunity. Listen, for all my life, this is what I've heard. Come to church so that you can worship and then depart to serve. The good news is you're not even going to have to depart to serve. You will be able to come and be fed and meet with God and hear from God. And then shake hands, hug necks, kiss babies. Change diapers, teach children. Monitor the parking lot, pray through the service. You'll be able to do all those things. And when we do all those things right, that's when God is going to send the wave of people into our church body, into our family. For a long time, we used to pray every service that God would add a new person a week. I remember one day, Brother Tony called me off to the side and he said, what are you going to do if God really does send 30 or 40 people in here in one service? I said, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. Listen, here's what we're doing today. We're becoming intentional in 2013. It's the year of the church. It's the year the church is strengthened. It's the year the church goes deep. It's the year that by going deep, God will take us wide. Today. What's your word? When we, 
I just want you to ask the Lord right now to begin to search your heart. Listen, listen to me. Get this right here. This isn't a one-time commitment that I'm asking you to run down here to the altar and fill out some kind of little card and say, okay, pastor guilted me into it today. I'm going to sign up about six weeks, and then you burn out at three. I, I, we don't need none of that. I want you to come to this altar, and I want you to get on your face and say, Lord, start speaking to me. Open my ears that I can hear you. Open my eyes that I can see you. Move my feet that I can serve you. Can you pray that? Lord, open my ears that I can hear you. Open my eyes that I can see you and move my feet that I may serve you. Would you pray that? Would you pray that today? Would you pray that tomorrow? Would you pray that all week? After this invitation, we're going to have a ministry fair. It's just a little booth set up. There's three spots out there. There's an area about children's ministry. There's an area for technical ministry. And there's an area for the physical ministry. That's it in a one-shot wonder. We're going to have this ministry fair the rest of the month. And what I want you to do is to go by and talk to the person who's in that, at that table. You may have to wait. There may be a line. Don't, don't run off. Get the information. Take it home. Pray over it. You may already know. God may have been dealing with you so long, you're ready to sign up today. You know what you, you just need to handle up and take care of business. This isn't new for you. But if not, get the information. Don't just sign up and say you're signing up to make me feel good. Get a word from God. Ask God where you to serve. The last thing we need is a spot filled by somebody who's not called to be there. Now, the, here's the excuse. Now, don't you cop out on me. If you're born again, blood-bought, sealed with the Holy Ghost, He has gifted you to serve somewhere. There are no excuses. Find a place. Plug into the body. Don't be an attender. Be a contributor. This is a family meal. This isn't restaurant living in here. Find out where God wants you to plug in in this new year. Would you make a personal commitment to go deep? And then God will take us wide with your head bowed this morning. Father God, right now we need you to tell us what you told Joshua. Be courageous. We need you to move in our hearts and our lives, God, in a mighty way. Lord, there's all kind of fear right now. There's, there's, fear, of our, there's fear that I will fail. There is fear that's going through people's mind right now that I won't have the time to do it. I'm already overextended. Lord, right now, help us to have courage that we will rise up and follow your voice. Because, God, I know you're speaking to people today. God, you've given us a big vision, Lord. We can't do it in the flesh. And, Lord, right now, we need you to provide supernaturally. Thank you for what you've already provided. God, we need you to continue to provide. Lord, right now, just open the floodgates. Let this altar fill up with people, God. That, Lord, not just making a commitment, but, Lord, just coming to this altar, God, to hear from you. Lord, to pray in the presence of your people, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, in the moving of your spirit in this service, that they would come in this service and say, God, I need to hear from you. I need you to give me a word before they ever go to any ministry table that they would come and get a word from you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you stand to your feet, why don't you come today? Let's do business. If you need somebody to pray with you, there will be some pastors here. Why don't you come right now? Let's do business with the Lord. Why don't you come today? Let God have his way right now.
How about you, church? Would you be willing? Won't you come? Won't you come? takes partners and those little boys partnered up with teaspoon sized shovels going deep going wide if somebody came and told you in your backyard there's a million dollars buried out there in gold you'd take a spoon and go out there and dig it up if you had to 
Our digging instruments may seem small in the size of our own eyes, but they still move dirt. They still make a difference. To go deep and go wide, it takes partners. I can't go deep and wide by myself. We can't go deep and wide just as a pastoral staff. It takes partners. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. Partnering with one another. Partnering with a kingdom-minded vision that's about His kingdom and not ours. Ask the Lord today to continue to speak to your heart. It's a big commitment. I need you to move through this at a snail's pace. I need you to get the information today. I need you to pray over it. I need you as husband and wife to pray over it. I need you to begin to pray about what God would have you to give in a one-time commitment to get that new building up on this side, to get that trailer set up on this side. I need you to begin to pray now. We're not going to beg you to pledge every month. I'm going to ask you to grab hold of something that's supernatural. I'm going to ask you to make it more than what you can do yourself. Because if you can do it yourself, then it's just yourself. I want you right now to begin to ask God to bless you. To give you that number. And the number may be a number that you can't make. It's okay. Then begin to pray to God. Okay, God, how are you going to provide for that that you spoke to my heart? I'm not going to ask you to sign a, a, a card that you had to give every month. I'm going to ask you to pray and ask the Lord, God, what can I do one time to help with this kingdom-minded vision? So for the next three weeks, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to pray hard. Some of you are of our faith family are already praying and fasting. You've gone into the new year doing that. This year we're doing it a little bit different. We're not really putting a lot of emphasis for us all to do it at the same time. Some of you are praying and fasting now. And then the rest of you, I want you to begin to start praying and fasting to fast in February. In February, when we fully launch the new ministry, the new strategy, when it becomes full force, that we're praying and fasting during that time for God to work through the barriers and provide supernaturally. Two weeks, we'll have leadership training. I need you to be here if you're interested in being a leader. We have a great opportunity. Somebody from Edge Young Church will be here. It's going to be hard. It's going to be Friday night. It's going to be most of the day Saturday. But it will help mold our church in the new direction that we're going. That's how we're going deep. That's how we're going wide. If you don't want to be a leader over something, but you just want to help serve, February 1st and 2nd, mark it on your calendar. Somebody from Ed Young's church will be here doing another leadership. Ed Young, Andy Stanley, and T.D. Jakes brought all three of their staffs together, put them in a room, and they came up with, with this concept called Discover Your Design. It's called Discover Your Design, D-Y-D, what God created you for. And on February 1st and 2nd, everybody is part of our family. We want you to be here. I, it's a big commitment. I know I'm asking you for a big commitment. But guys, we don't ask a lot. But when we do ask, it is normally big. And this is going to help you discover exactly what God created you for. You know, you go through the ministry, you're looking for opportunities to serve. You say, that's just not who I am. It just doesn't fit me. 
And so what we're going to do is on that February 1st and 2nd, or whatever you signed up for, we're going to have a weekend of training before we put you to service. So if you sign up, you're not going to go to work next week. But it will be for in February. We'll have leadership training. We'll have servant training. All that's coming into place. It's going to be a busy month. It's going to be a busy month for us. But we got to lay the foundation to begin to go deep that God will take us wide. Well, it's been great to be here today. Amen? All right. Let's pray this morning and we'll be dismissed. Pastor Ralph, won't you come? You have anything you want to share? Uh, Prince has a mic there. Wow, what a, what a vision the Lord has laid out for us. And uh, it will take us all walking together to, to be able to fulfill that and, and only with His power. So, uh, But before you leave this morning, please... Uh, take a few minutes, come by the, the ministry tables that, are, that have been set up and, and just ask the Lord what He would have you. Uh, not, not if He would have you serve, but where uh, He would have you to serve. So let's pray together. Father, thank You so much for, um, for the vision that uh, You've given us. Thank You, Lord, that it's so much bigger than we are. Thank You, God, that if You don't come through and make it happen, then it's just not going to happen. But God, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. And God, thank you for uh, just uh, uh, the, the leaders that you are raising up. Uh, for those with servants' hearts, Lord, who uh, are, are going to be uh, just serving you with, with all that they are and all that they have. And so, Lord Jesus, uh, give us wisdom, give us direction. We'll just give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.